Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish a common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you said I'm checking it Okay. So Combine Twitter is back, baby. Um, and I know I talked about the Combine a couple episodes ago in the Combine-tastic episode of the Dynasty Crossroads. And I know I just did a YouTube video that was 50 minutes long trying to explain why I think we're really over-interested in Combine measurables. Um, when it comes to rookie classes, and um, specifically about probability, but we'll get to that. Uh, and I, I, I did a Twitter thread, like, why isn't this solved yet? Like, I did a whole Twitter thread where I, I made a metaphor, for some reason referencing marbles rolling down a hill, for, at the time it seemed like a good idea. Um, but it's two days late for a podcast episode, and it still really won't let anything else get into my head, despite all the work I'm meant to be doing. Real work and, and actual projection work, I guess, at this point. Um, it's still what's on my mind. And so we're doing a podcast episode about it, too. Isn't that fun? Um, so buckle up uh, and let's talk about the Combine, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Please listen to those other Dynasty League football podcasts. They're all great. They, re- they really are. Um, yeah, that that's the intro. So, let me try it this way. Does draft round matter? No, let's start at the beginning, all right? A rookie class is not... A group of players who are going to hit and you have to hit pick the best one like I think that might be part of the difference in that I start out from that premise like most of these are misses which ones are hits because a lot of the conversations I'm reading and and the statistics that have been sent to me seem to assume like everyone's going to hit so you've got to pick the best one and I take the opposite point of view whether a three wide receivers and four running backs and like maybe one tight end and a quarterback that's going to hit and you are dealing with looking at the probability that this one player or that one player is one of those rare unicorns from this class. And I think that's an important thing to know that I'm starting out from that premise, okay? So instead of ceilings or floors or how or where, I'm just looking for the comparisons or anything that gives me Some signal that a player might be more likely to be one of those outliers. (laughs) Or more likely to be one of those players that produce fantasy-relevant seasons. Okay. So does draft round matter? Yes, we all know draft capital matters. So in the prism of thresholds, 
what does that look like? Because that's how combine numbers are primarily used. This player is over or under that number. This player is way too not thick and can never hit. It's He would be an outlier. And when I hear the word outlier, I think of probability based on where I'm starting at in rookie classes. And I don't think you're they're using that word the way I think most of it is interpreted. Like, in terms of probability, it would be less likely for a player to hit with a certain BMI. Is it, though? So, let's start out with something that we all agree on, that draft round matters. So, since 2003, 2001, whenever my database goes back to, 245 players have been drafted in the first three rounds. 56 have had a top 12 season, at least one. 85 have had a top 24 season, at least one. Top 24 season, PPR scoring, la 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 la. Now, players drafted in the first round account for 78 of those 245 players. And you know I hate reading numbers on this podcast, so bear with me. Because, you know, no one's writing this down and it's hard to keep track. So, let's just cut to the end here. First round players account for 34% of all players drafted within the time span of forever, essentially. So 34% of players are first-round picks out of top three-round draft capital players because that's the group that is the most common draft category, right? The top three-round draft capital matters. Yeah, I think most of us agree with that. All right. So what's the proportion... Oh, sorry, 31%. What's the proportion of players with first-round draft capital who hit for a top 12 and a top 24 season. So in other words, the percentage of players who have a top 12 season or the percentage of players who have a top 24 season and have first-round draft capital. In fact, 34% of players that have a top 12 season have first-round draft capital. 48% who have a top 24 season have first-round draft capital. That seems like less than a 50% bet. But we know draft round and opportunity matters, and first round draft capital gives you the most likely hit rate. We, that's a thing we already all agree on, right? So what's that? Well, that's essentially where we end the conversation, or where most people try to end the conversation when it comes to thresholds for BMI. Essentially, that's just a description of the group. So 34% of top 12 players are first round picks, 48% are top 24 picks. But the question is here... Well, how many are first-round picks, though, right? Is that proportional to the rate at which they're drafted in the first round from the top three-round group? No, it's definitely not proportional. You're more likely to hit if you have first-round draft capital. And I think I'm well within head-nodding even people that hate me would be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, first round draft capital is worth more than second round draft capital, it's worth more than third round draft capital, and just because 34% of players have first round draft capital doesn't mean they are 70% likely not to hit compared to second and third round picks, that's just, that would just be, be nice Pete, that would just be silly, right, no one thinks that, cool, 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 alright. So what's happening here? Well, we're describing the group instead of describing the probability or the proportion or the disproportional rate at which players hit with first-round draft capital. All of those are fancy words, but they mean exactly what you think they do, that fewer players are drafted in the first round, 
but a higher percentage of those hit than with second or third round draft capital, right? In either category, top 12 or top 24 seasons. And that is true. So how do we see that? Well, 48% of players who have a top 12 season, so shrinking the sample down to just those 27 players drafted in the first round, drafted in the first three rounds with a top 12 season, 48% of them are drafted in the first round. Okay, that sounds more reasonable. 44% of them in the top 24 category are drafted with first round draft capital. So it's actually slightly less, but there we know ceilings and floors and some players like second and third round picks kind of have a harder ceiling and don't get into those top 12 and top 5 ranges, but we still like them because they're fantasy relevant, whatever. So how will we describe this? Because the percentage is a little uh, misleading when you're talking about a group of 27 and 38 players, right? A percentage difference of 20% at the 12% of the top 12 season and, you know, basically 15% in the top 24 season. Like, that doesn't really describe our fifis when we're talking about first-round draft capital, right? That doesn't seem high enough. No, because we're talking about such a small group that uh, percentage differences really don't do a great job of describing it. So let me put it in another way. If first-round draft capital meant nothing, then you would expect the number of players to break out at either a top 12 or a top 24 level would be proportional to the rate at which they're drafted. Because essentially there's no probability difference between those that are being drafted in any of the rounds and those that are hitting. They are similar within a margin of error, a reasonable margin of error, whatever, 5%, two players, whatever, um, within the hit rate group. In fact, we see a large disproportional representation in the hit group compared to uh, the drafted group. And the way to see that with such a small sample is just go through a raw player count. So if draft round meant nothing, or first round draft capital meant nothing, then you would expect 31% of players who hit at either threshold to have a top 12 or top 24 season because it meant nothing. It was just a thing about them, and you were probably as likely to hit with the first round draft capital as second, as third. That's not what we see. So again, let's go through a raw player count. 245 players have been drafted in the first three rounds. 78 of them were in the first round. That's where we get the 31% uh, number. So if it had no effect, you would expect 31% of players who to, of the top 12 group to have first round draft capital when in fact we see 48% of players with top 12 seasons and first round draft capital. So that's like a 20% difference. In the top 24 group, we would expect 27 players out of those 85 players with top, 85, top 24 seasons to have first round draft capital. When in fact we see 44% of players... So like a 15% difference. And the reason there's a slightly less um, is, is because a lot of players with second and third round draft capital actually have top 24 seasons um, because, you know, lower ceilings and we could get into that. It's not essentially necessary here. What I want you to see here is the percentages don't really do it justice here either because 48% of players having top 12 seasons from all players drafted sounds like a 50-50 bet, and we know it's disproportionately related. So how do we see that? The reason for it, by the way, is because we're talking about such small groups. Like 48% of 56 players 
is 27 players. Like, we're talking about a really small group, and so the percentage really doesn't do it justice. And so what I did is just convert it into a raw player count. So 31% of the top 12 players would be 17.8 players um, in that smaller sample. So in other words, if draft capital meant nothing, and first-round draft capital meant nothing, you would only expect to see, within a reasonable margin of error, 17 players have a top 12 season with first-round draft capital, when instead, what we see is around 27. So that's a difference of 10 players that are hitting with first-round draft capital um, as opposed to second- or third-round draft capital. And I think 10 players over-expected does a better job of saying, well, that makes a difference, right? That's outside of reasonable margin of error. It's not just a couple of players. It's a full 10 players hitting more than you would expect if draft if first-round draft capital meant nothing. At the top 24 level, you would expect around 27 players to hit because 31% of 85 players to have top 24 seasons would be 27 players. When in fact, again, we see 38 players with first-round draft capital hitting inside the top 24. So that's where that 44% number comes from. And that's a difference of, again, 10 extra players hitting than you would expect if first-round draft capital meant nothing. All right. So what happens when we do this extra bit, the bit that actually tells us who is more or less likely to hit in the NFL, because that's about probability, not about the raw hits, who do they best conform to in a descriptive sense or describing the number of players with certain thresholds in the group. Because, again, when you just look at it through draft capital, which you know matters, that doesn't make sense. That's not true. It's not 30%, like 30% likelihood and 70% of players don't have first-round draft capital and therefore you don't want first-round draft capital. That doesn't make sense. It's disproportionately related or represented in the hit group. So what happens when you do that with... Any combine met item, any, any of them, all, all of them. But let's go through BMI because that's the one I'm getting spammed with the most right now. So, and I know what you're saying. Let's use 26 because 27 is the one we used to use before Stefan Diggs happened. Okay, I'll lower it to 26. How's that? 15% of players with top 12 seasons had a BMI below 26. Below 26. I mean, my God, even that doesn't sound as dark as people make it sound. Like, 15% in the group have a BMI below 26. Anyway, 30% have a BMI below 26 if they have a top 24 season. That's a description of the players who are actually hitting, the group of hits. But... It doesn't tell you anything about if a player in this rookie class is more or less likely to be one of those hits, right? So, what's the representation in the hit rate group compared to the drafted group? Well, that's where we get into some problems. Because 21% of players drafted have a BMI below 26. So it's a relatively small sample of the players who were even drafted in the first three rounds. Or at all. It works every threshold. Anyway, so... To do the same analysis, if BMI means nothing, nothing, 
to your probability of hitting, then you would expect around 12 players with a BMI below 26 to have a top 12 season because it means nothing. Because that's the percentage in the sample group. In fact, we see eight players hitting. Oh, I heard a different number. That's a different nut. That is, that's a difference of around 3.9 players or four players different at that extreme 26 BMI example. So draft round hits about 10 players above expected. BMI hits about four in a 20-year sample. How about in the top 24 group? where you would expect around 18 players to hit with a BMI below 26. Instead, what we see is 16. That's a difference of two players. In fact, all of these pretty much boil down to if a couple of players hit in the next 20 years with a BMI below 26, it's exactly the same. That's it. That's the difference. It's two players. You're rolling the dice on something having a large effect because of a difference of two players, but you represent it as a descript as descriptive representation of the sample group, fifteen and thirty percent, and that's that's just a description in terms of its ability to predict. It's within the margin of error. It's very within the margin of error. Like the comparison to things that we know that actually matter is. There's a strong disproportion. Let me do breakout age. 30% threshold. On average, players drafted have around a 20, age 20 breakout age at the 30% um, dominator rating threshold. So out of 245 players drafted in the first three rounds, we see 117 with a breakout age below 20. So a more positive breakout age. 9% of the hit rate group are represented in terms of the description in that sample. So 11 players out of 117. 17% are represented in the top 24, so 21% out of 117. That's a difference of 15 players hitting with a breakout age below 20, 20, or in the top 24, it's a difference of 20 players. So that's like twice as effective, by the way, as just draft round in terms of explaining your probability of having a season that's either top 12 or top 24 in fantasy scoring. That's outside the margin of error. BMI is within the margin of error, suggesting that BMI does not lead to a great advantage in deciding if a player is more probable to be in the hit rate group because essentially it's proportional to the rate they are drafted. Very few of them are drafted with that BMI. Very few of them hit but it's proportional within a margin of error to the rate that they are drafted. Same with 40 times, same with weight. In fact, it gets a lot worse when we use weight. If we go back up to the 27 BMI, which is one that means you get Stefan Diggs, by the way, then it's a difference of, oh, look at that, two players. If you make it more extreme at that 26 threshold, where literally... <laughs> Only 52 players have ever been drafted, ever, in the top three rounds with a BMI below 26 based on my calculation of BMI and also based on my database. So, you know, your mileage may very fact check me, I guess. Like, I think that's a little extreme. 
we have things that are creating 10 player differences in the hit rate sample or 20% differences in terms of the probabilistic outcome of a player hitting or not. And instead you're like, yeah, but these these two guys didn't hit. So, like, that guy obviously sucks. Like, that's that's what you sound like. I didn't mean to be mean, but it describes the group very well. But if you look at the proportion of how how that group is made up, it's just a feature. It's just a feature of who those players are. Very unlikely to be why those players ended up in that group because it's basically exactly proportional to the rate they exist in the initial group, the rookie class. The class you don't know who is good, and you have to guess. And those that hit are probably going to be proportional to the percentage of, or the pure count of the players who actually exist at those thresholds. Let's do 40 time. Why not? So on average, players drafted into the NFL, the average is around, uh, it, with first three-round draft capital, I'll point out, um, is around 4.44. That's the average of players drafted as excited as we get about four four times. So I used a four five threshold. Two hundred and forty five players drafted, fifty six with the top twelve season, eighty five with the top twenty four season. Seventy two players drafted have a forty time above four point five. Twenty players have a top twelve season with a four point five or higher. Thirty two percent thirty two players have a top 24 season with an above a 4-5, 40 time. That means only 20%, 27% of the top 12 sample have a 40 time over 4-5. Oh my God, that's such a small percentage. Yes, but you would expect around 16 players to hit if it meant nothing. And in fact, what we see is 20. There's actually a converse relationship. It's an inverse relationship. Technically, if the description of the sample meant anything to probability, you would have to say that having a 4-5 time or higher made you more likely to break out at either the top 12 or the top 24 level. Does that make it sound as insane as it does when I read it? Everywhere. Everywhere. Everyone loves it. 4-5's not really it. I mean, 4-5-8's fine. All right. All right, right, right. But here's the thing. I'm talking about proportionality. So it should and does work across the board. So I'll up the threshold to 4-6. Any time with a 4-6 or higher. That represents 10 players. 10 players drafted in the first three rounds have a 4-6 at the wide receiver position um, or, or higher. Like a worse 40 time. Two hit in the top 12. Five hit in the top 24. That means only 20% of players drafted with a 4-5 or uh, in the top 12 group actually have a 4-6 or higher. 50%, okay. Uh, 50% of players drafted with a 4-6 or higher um, have, a, have, a, have a terrible 40 time, okay. Um, so even the description kind of fails you here with a 4-6 threshold. Anyway, that means that only 4% of players drafted have a 4-6 or higher at the wide receiver position in the first three rounds. That also means 3.6% of players in the draft in the hit rate group of top 12 seasons actually have a 4-6 or higher, and 5% of players in the top 24 group. So you see there's a difference of 1%. <laughs> it's such a small sample. This is ridiculous. These numbers are ridiculous. 
and they don't they have value look if you're going to describe the group high bmis low 40 times is a very accurate description of who's more likely to br- who actually has a top 24 t- or top 12 season they're Julio's and the Calvins, if you want to think of it that way, and the BMI too. But very few of the actual group that we're looking at in the rookie classes actually have those measurables or those outside of the threshold measurables. Which essentially means that having a bad quote-unquote BMI, and BMI is junk science, like do not use it for your health, by the way. Doctors literally think it's hurt the public health by, like it's junk science, created by a not-scientist in, like, the 18th century. But anyway, I, I don't think this does it either. Reading numbers on a podcast isn't going to get it across, is it? Look, you are no more or less likely to hit with any particular BMI or 40 time or height or weight or hand size or weight-adjusted speed score or vertical or shuttle. And where you are... It's actually an inverse relationship that if we were being true to the descriptive sample, we'd have to say having bad verticals, specifically verticals for some reason, or 40 times would make you more likely, if the description was a probability calculation, which it's not, to hit in the NFL. That's not probability, it's a description. If you transfer it into a probability calculation, what you see is that it's hitting within a margin of error meaning it likely has nothing to do with whether a player is going to enter either of the other sample sizes, having a top 12 season or having a top 24 season. It's very common to have good numbers across those thresholds in the hit group. Very common. That's the descriptive element. But it's very uncommon to be drafted being outside of those thresholds. And since they are hitting at a proportional rate to being drafted, it seems to indicate that that's just draft capital, man. That's, that's, that's not what likely means. It's not a probability calculation. It's a description of the group. But the players entering that group are, have already been weeded out significantly. And they represent about the same proportion of those that hit in those that are drafted. That's it. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't even with this. It describes a group very well, but it does nothing in terms of creating an outsized effect on the probability of one individual player actually being in either hit group. It, so if you're just looking at a rookie class, their BMI does not tell you whether they are more likely or unlikely to be in the either of those hit groups. I mean, it doesn't. It means they're less likely to get drafted, but if they're drafted, it doesn't matter. You can't be an outlier to something that has no probability effect. Like you can't you can't be more or less likely to something that has no effect on probability. That's that's not a thing. 
And I get that it's not about smart, and I get that it's not about intelligence, and I'm not saying it is. It's not like you're dumb to think this. It's that probability's freaking weird, and I like have to restudy on it every time I learn it or try to talk about it because probability is different than percentage. And we, our sample sizes are not big enough, really, to represent probable, uh, to do probability on. You've got a sample of 56 players with a top 12 season, and you're trying to run what's more or less likely to happen. And that's, no, 85 isn't good enough in the top 12. Like, 245, I mean, we'd be getting there, but that's all drafted players in the first three rounds. The NFL's a small sample trap. as well, which is why we have any margin, probably why we have even as large as margin error as we have around two to four players based on combine measurables. Like, let me try and say it this way. If you dismiss or move outside of your target group players with a low BMI or a bad 40 time that are drafted and look good elsewhere, because that's important, Like, I'm not a big Devontae Smith fan, but I think he has a pretty good profile. For example, Elijah Moore is short, but he has a very good profile, so on and so forth. Um, Essentially, all BMI 40 time does, if you use that as a first or secondary filter, is to weed out potential. If they are drafted, they are as probable to hit as a player with a better, quote-unquote, BMI 40 time vertical, whatever, in that group, if they are drafted within the same range or within the same round or within the first three rounds, they are as probable to hit on an individual basis. And we have to make individual choices in a rookie draft because very few of them are going to hit. All right, I'm out. I'm out. I, got, I can't. I think I lost the plot at some point. I didn't mean to. I thought I'd be able to express numbers vocally in a podcast without getting so angry about the way it sounds, and I can't. Like, reading percentages, I can't. So, again, to summarize, these thresholds from the Combine do more to weed out potential than they do to highlight pot- potential. They, they weed it out. They don't include it or restrict it to less likely players because Combine thresholds do not lead to within a margin, a reasonable margin of error, a greater probabilistic value of anyone hitting in the NFL if all else is equal. Put it that way. So instead, just don't. Like, ignore it. Like, just just ignore that thing. Because it's not a thing. Yeah, that's it. I'm out. I did it. I feel like I failed again. All over again. Anyway, I really appreciate it if you stuck stuck through this. Like, thanks, guys. I mean, I got to get a guest on here, don't I? Anyway, we're doing a live stream today as well, so uh, hopefully someone will turn up there for me to talk to. And, um, yeah, uh, l- let me know anything you want to let me know. <laughs> Hit me up on Twitter at PA Howdy. T- tell, me how the com- tell me how the combine matters in terms of guessing which rookie player is more or less likely. Because thresholds aren't it. I can tell you that at least. Anyway, thanks again. Bye. Yeah. 
Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place though. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place though. Pete enumerates the plays are analytical.